Welcome to this City Sessions edition of the Transforming Cities podcast. In a break from our typical long-form dialogue, each session aims to capture timely stories and sentiment around topics important to our friends and colleagues across the industry. Now, before jumping in, we want to highlight a simple way listeners can give to those in need. Right now, thousands of restaurant servers, busers, bartenders, and even app-based workers for Lyft, Uber, Instacart, and more are struggling. Most are grappling with the fact that their job simply no longer exists, at least in the short term. So consider impacting change in the lives of those who ensure our spaces are run smoothly by donating to the One Fair Wage Emergency Fund. Basically, right now, it's providing emergency cash assistance for this workforce in the hardest hit areas across the country. Simply visit their website for more information, tap the link in the show notes, and if you want to right now, visit ofwemergencyfund.org. We encourage you to give what you can. On this episode, I'm joined by Mark Ernster of Sullivan Hayes Brokerage in Denver and Paul Hyde of Hyde Development in Minneapolis. With the outbreak of COVID-19 shutting down many cities with various shelter-in-place actions, including restaurant and bar shutdowns, we discuss these impacts from the front lines. That was never around in the great financial crisis and certainly not after 9-11. And to to our benefit, I think if we're going to get through this, it's because there's a much more proactive approach from the Fed down to the banks themselves to try and bridge the gap through this. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. Let's get right to it. So guys, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks, Chris. Good to be here. So last week when we hopped on the uh, the City Sessions podcast, obviously it was the first week after the uh, COVID-19 news was settling in. I think just before we went on here, we discussed it as more of a shock and awe kind of week. Whereas now, week two, we're, we're in more of a triage mode, feet starting to hit the ground, trying to figure things out. Uh, where I want to start today is, is really on the retail side. And, and Mark, I'll start with you here. How do you feel like clarity is, is really being defined right now across the board with your retail tenants on the retail side? Restaurants and bars obviously are massively impacted right now. A lot of funds that are opening up. Lots to talk about there. Let's start with you. Yeah, for sure. The and to your point, the restaurants and the bars are are the folks who are are seeing the brunt of this. And luckily for them, you know, the economy was humming along pretty nicely before all this hit, and they were all doing fairly well. But when you take people out of their business, in Denver's case, for eight weeks, regardless, that's going to be tough for them. And and there's a stimulus package that is, looks like it's on the. The cusp, um, and there's some local things going on here as well that that can help with that. But but there are going to be those folks who just never never reopen. You know that goes for the local bars and restaurants, but also some of the national bars and restaurants and, and retailers. You know there's some of those folks who just they weren't doing that well before, and this might be the nail in the coffin for for some of those guys. So you know it's hard to say that across the board. There's a there's a real sense. I think what I'm gathering so far from my clients and hearing from other folks in my office, kind of what their clients are looking at, it's it it is different across the board. Targets of the world, the Costco's of the world, you know, naturally you would you would assume those guys are doing well, and they are. So they'll probably be well positioned to come out of this after everything settles down. 
the you know mattress firms of the world, you know, some of those folks, they're handling this a lot differently right now. Some people are coming to landlords and just saying, hey, I need, I'm just not going to pay rent or I'm going to pay half rent for the next two months, you know, not even having a conversation about it. Whereas others are being a lot more, everyone's kind of working together, a lot more respectful about the process and just saying, hey, I just, I'm not having customers come in. I'm going to need some help. And landlords are seeming to be responsive to that. So it's, I wouldn't say there's a response across the board, but it is it is really interesting to see how this is all kind of unfolding here. Yeah. And, and really speaking to the restaurants and bars side of that of that retail equation, I found it really, you know, pretty, pretty cool, pretty neat to see all these different funds starting to support the staff and these establishments, kind of the local haunts, if you will. You know, obviously, Mark here in Denver, we're in a shutdown for eight weeks. I think in Minneapolis also has some similar regulations in place. These seem to be trickling out across most major cities across the U.S. And the interesting thing to me is as real estate developers, as, as broker teams, you know, we really need to be able to step up and support these groups the best we can so that this cycle of, of payment, of, of making rent and pain banks can continue. And Paul, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective on the retail side, what you're seeing in Minneapolis, because I think there's a lot of that similar themed work happening uh, right in front of you as well. Yeah, Chris, a lot of the same stuff, right? We're seeing uh, the restaurant bar industry uh, particularly hard hit that they just can't be open. Uh, some trying to survive with delivery only. We had uh, a similar scare to I think it was in Denver yesterday where there was whispers the governor would order a shelter in place and that liquor stores would not be essential. So there was a run <laughs> on the liquor stores. I know you had the same thing. A lot of uncertainty. Is construction going to be an essential business? Do we keep getting to build our buildings? As we discussed, what about the liquor stores? What's essential? What's not essential? And Last week, it was just sort of absorbing the news. This week has been trying to solve the problem. Okay, we can give you gross free rent for three months. Uh, that will hopefully get us through this and keep the tenant alive in the interim. Then we're working with banks who have new authority to grant this sort of relief on maybe it's interest only or a deferment of payments uh, for a period of time. That was never around in the great financial crisis and certainly not after 9-11. And to, the, to our benefit, I think if we're going to get through this, it's because there's a much more proactive approach from the Fed down to the banks themselves to try and bridge the gap through this period of when we're all staying at home and the build businesses are closed. Paul, I think you mentioned this to me before we hopped on. The industrial side of the equation has seen something actually really drastically different. And, and it sort of just goes back to pointing out how this is impacting every aspect of the industry, but in interestingly enough, very different ways. Talk to us about what you're seeing on the industrial side. Yeah. And we're just on inning one, out one <laughs> of starting to try and see what the effects are going to be. Like Mark hinted at it, the grocers and the retail Tailors are out in the market now trying to take down additional warehouse space immediately just to be able to store more toilet paper. <laughs> uh, and I think that 
that's going to be maybe one of two or three key long-term effects that grocers, uh, targets, Costco's, they're going to require their suppliers to have more supply on hand. This just-in-time thing is great when everything's working, but not so great in a crisis. And we might also see folks bringing more onshore products that were made in China just so we can able to get through this kind of thing. And then the third piece is, is the e-commerce. Uh, maybe people using it more for groceries than they ever had or people that had never really used it, uh, using it more and more often. And we're seeing in the industrial side of it uh, really significant activity from those kind of folks starting to look at a uh, new warehouse space as a reaction to what's happening. I want to pivot into something that is important across the board. And, and Mark, let's start with you here. But with regards to how leases are being handled right now, rental terms, making accommodations, obviously mortgages that need to be paid, deadlines that are coming up, how are you seeing that adjustment hit your clients across the board so far? Yeah, it's definitely a topic of conversation, obviously, and, and and folks trying to figure out the best way to do it. And, you know, as we've already kind of hit on, you, you know, the landlords need to pay their their lenders. And, and that comes a lot from mostly from the rent. And if people can't pay rent, how do we how do we adjust this? So, you know, I've heard from different lenders having different outlooks on this. Some are being a lot more accommodating than than others. And same with some some landlords. I'd say some of the more local landlords that we work with are trending to be a little bit more accommodating. Some of the more institutional landlords that we work with are holding a little bit of a harder line, which is interesting to see, you know, just not being as willing really? or, or, or using that as an opportunity to, well, for example, one, one way to kind of to ameliorate, you know, the issue would be to say, hey, you know, we'll do a percentage rent or something like that. And, you know, we'll let you not pay rent, but then we'll implement a percentage rent until you pay off, you know, basically what we gifted you as free rent, which sounds great, but the double-edged sword is, you know, when you start doing that, you're reporting your sales figures to these guys. And a lot of times that's a, that's a big sticking point in your initial lease conversation. So then you're kind of opening that door and that'll be Interesting to see too, not only with just leases, but in, in in this whole thing, certain situations or certain things that are put into place, how that's going to kind of roll out in the long term. It'll be interesting to see kind of what what that does and how that how that affects the market in general. Mark, do you have any insight as to why you think there's that mix of local versus more national? Is that just a, a coincidence, or do you think there's something to that? localness to be a little bit more forgiving. Yeah, there, there, there's certainly something about that. If it's more of a local guy, they may have a better relationship, personal relationship with their tenants and be a little bit more understanding of the circumstances. With some of these larger landlords, you know, there's a asset manager who might not even be in state. And a lot of these guys are, they're traded companies, right? So they've got investors that they need to you know, report that they're trying to keep their stock up as best they can as well. So there's there's different motivations for different folks. And I think that certainly plays into it. Paul, what do you what do you see in Minneapolis? And and obviously you play 
you play the role role of landlord as well with high development. Um, how are you approaching leases at this point? Yeah, um, that's a great insight into the difference between the institutional and the local landlords. Uh, I'm going to keep drawing that distinction in the future. We see how hard it is, especially for uh, restaurants with a chef and a staff or our brewery with its bartender and getting those folks together and putting those deals together takes nine months or, or more. And the last thing we want to do is blow them up when we know that it wasn't their fault and make it harder for us to recover. So that's why we're doing everything we can to try and provide some accommodation on rent in this time in order to be able to hopefully slide everybody back into the spot they were before this happened and open everybody keeps their jobs and they keep operating and and then we're able to get rent and make the mortgage payment. So we're intensely focused on trying to accommodate uh, those folks that uh, have suffered from this. You said you're the one that actually, I'll, I'll credit you. <laughs> I, I, I spoke it as if it was my own when we started, but you are the one who said, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of figuring it out now, kind of triage mode, feet on the ground, almost like coming outside for the first time, pun intended, I guess, on that one. Yeah. Just in general, give me your, just your general snapshot of, of how you're feeling right now. How is Sullivan Hayes approaching the, the, the murky waters? of week two. It's a lot more of these types of conversations, you know, more conversations with their with our tenants and lenders from both the landlord side and the tenant side. You know, a lot of these 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 tenants take out small business loans too. So and I'll go back and credit Paul here. He's the one said that, you know, last week was really the shock and awe. You know, everyone was kind of taking a step back and saying, you know, what what is actually happening here and reading the news every hour, you know, trying it's seemingly different. Mm-hmm. And it seems to it's still doing that. It's maybe just a little slower. Maybe we're just a little bit more used to it. But it's more now trying to figure out what are our next steps. You know, as as brokers, we are. There's multiple facets of our job. Our clients come first, obviously. But you know, we need to be generating new business as a general, you know, rule of thumb. That's how we earn a living. And you know, now is not really the right time to be going out and doing that. But what are our next steps, and and how do we help our clients and make sure we're there to support those guys? This week's been a lot more of that than last week, where again it was just kind of what the heck's happening here. And so I think it's uh, everyone's kind of we're collaborating a lot in our office. We're we're talking with other brokers throughout the network. We're calling all of our landlord clients. We're calling all of our our retail clients and. You know, at the end of the day, brokers are our main asset is information. And if, if we can gather some information that's helpful to a, a client of ours, that's that's really what we're focused on doing right now. Mm, no, that's a great point. Paul, how about you? On your on your end, getting getting your feet under you, kind of looking ahead, where do you stand? And is there any uh any positivity, I guess, that we could maybe bring to the end of the of the conversation today, just looking ahead, any silver linings you're seeing out there? I think it's too early to see what we're going to see in retail yet. On the industrial side, I think we're seeing early signs that when everyone's hunkered down at home buying things online, that that creates more demand for distribution space. And it's it's been such a weird week where your day is split between 
you know, listening to people who are laying off their restaurant and bar workers and then cranking out proposals for half million foot distribution centers. It's just sort of mind scrambling. <laughs> but that's the time we're in. This is that there's enormous dislocation and change that we're in the early stages of. But we're going to start to see more and more of what it looks like. And for, for us anyway, the only way we can attack it is sort of hour to hour, day to day. There's there's no playbook on what's happening or how to make the move. It's mm-hmm. just reacting to what's coming in on your your phone calls and your emails and, and trying to keep advancing the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, looking back on this week, next week, it seems to change yeah. so frequently that the conversation is going to be evolving in a day, certainly in seven days. So Mark and Paul, I really appreciate you hopping on, taking time out of your day and giving us a sense of what you're seeing out there and uh, at least a little snapshot of of what's going on on your your front lines. Um, again, thank you for your time. And I'm sure other all the other listeners are, are appreciative as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us, Chris. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Transforming Cities is brought to you by Authentic Form and Function, the digital design and development team that just might be a perfect fit for your next urban project. If you're a new listener, you can follow along at authenticff.com slash transforming cities, or you can simply subscribe through your favorite apps, including iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for joining us.